Welcome to the May 2nd ASF Weekly Science Podcast. I'm Alicia Halliday. And while April may be behind us, we need to continue action to help those with autism, which has continued to be desperately needed year round. This week, we have a very special interview with Dr. Mark Shen from the University of North Carolina. Now, you may recognize his name. Last year, he published data looking at the accumulation of cerebral spinal fluid and the ventricle size in infants who have autism but have yet to be diagnosed because they're too young. These differences are seen at six months to a year. The infant brain imaging study has been studying those who have a sibling with autism who also themselves have a 15 times greater chance of having a diagnosis. They track them since they're months old, like six months old, and follow them through a diagnosis and look at not just their behavioral changes but also biological differences. The group has found several brain regions which correlate with early autism behaviors even before an autism diagnosis can be made. In the study I interview him about, Dr. Shen and his colleagues at IBIS, that infant brain imaging study, studied six months old who have a family history of autism and are considered at risk for autism themselves. And of these, some of them go on to get a diagnosis, about 20%, and some did not. They also compared the findings against six months olds with a fragile X mutation. This is a genetic condition with a high prevalence of autism. They finally compared those two groups to infant siblings with no family history who you would not expect to have a diagnosis or get diagnosed later on. That is, unless you gathered about 44 of them and maybe one would have a diagnosis per the prevalence numbers. Now, in this study, they looked specifically at the amygdala. The amygdala was once known as the fear center in the brain, and it does control fear, but it's also been tied to emotions and it connects with the hippocampus to control emotional memories. Most studies conducted to date have not looked at a group with a genetic mutation and also have really focused on an area of the brain called the cortex when they look at the brain. The cortex is where memories are formed, decisions are made, and it also mediates anxiety, which is of course related to fear. Instead of listening to me ramble on, I asked first author, Dr. Mark Shen from the University of North Carolina, why this study is important, why do it at all, and what it means for people with ASD. Mark, you're an assistant professor in psychiatry at the UNC Neuroscience Center and have spent your career looking at the brains of people with autism using imaging to look at structure and function even before symptoms of autism are seen. Can you describe some of your earlier work in studying brains of infants and the study design you used here, and what those studies found? In our previous studies, the IBIS network has published a series of findings that show that infants who develop autism have altered brain growth in a variety of different ways. One, they have overall brain volume that grows too quickly. They also have cortical surface area that expands too quickly in the first year of life. They also have altered white matter connectivity in infancy. And as early as six months of age, we have found that infants who develop autism have an excessive amount of cerebral spinal fluid in their brains. 
Why focus on the subcortical regions rather than the cortex? In the current study, we focus on the growth of subcortical brain regions. These subcortical brain regions are among the first in the brain to develop and mature. And subcortical regions are highly involved in the development of both autism and fragile X. For example, the amygdala is highly involved in social behavior and has been the focus of many earlier studies of autism. It has long been known that the amygdala is abnormally enlarged in preschool-age children and school-age children with autism after they have already received their autism diagnosis. Our new study sought to answer several questions. When does the amygdala start its overgrowth? Does overgrowth occur at an age before behavioral symptoms and before autism diagnosis? Does amygdala overgrowth have clinically significant consequences? And is amygdala overgrowth unique to autism? In this study, we found that the amygdala grows too rapidly between 6 and 12 months of age during a pre-symptomatic period in autism. This is prior to the age when the diagnostic behavioral symptoms of autism, being social difficulties and repetitive behaviors, are fully evident and then later lead to the earliest diagnosis of autism around 24 months of age. We also found that the faster the amygdala grew in the first year of life, the more social difficulties the child showed when diagnosed with autism a year later. Can you describe the difference between what was known as idiopathic autism with no known genetic mutation and fragile X? This brain growth pattern of the amygdala may be unique to autism, as babies with fragile X syndrome show a completely different trajectory of brain and behavioral development. Babies with fragile X showed no differences in the rate of amygdala growth, but instead showed enlargement of a different brain structure called the caudate. And this enlargement was found at the earliest age, at six months of age. And it was associated with a different behavior, increased repetitive behaviors. What did you find in this study? What were the results? Collectively, these results show an interesting pattern of timing in brain and behavioral development. In Fragile X syndrome, brain and behavioral differences are exhibited early in life. Already by six months of age, their caudate is too large and they show cognitive deficits. Whereas in autism, at six months, the amygdala is typical in size and there are typical levels of cognitive ability. But then there is a cascade of changes that occur between six and 12 months of age. During this period, the amygdala grows too rapidly and between 6 and 12 months of age is when cognitive delays begin. What other evidence is there that the amygdala is critical to autism? The amygdala serves as a social processing hub between sensory function, like visual processing, and higher cognitive function. It is important for interpreting the social and emotional meaning of sensory input, anywhere from recognizing emotion in faces to interpreting fearful images that inform us about potential dangers in our surroundings. So when a child sees something, the amygdala's job is to interpret that visual information and then coordinate with other brain regions to prepare a response. For example, the amygdala is involved 
in the fight or flight response. This altered development of the amygdala that we have found is occurring at the same time as other features we have reported in autism. Altered visual processing and visual attention and altered growth of the visual parts of the brain. So if visual processing, the visual part of the brain and the social processing hub, the amygdala, are all functioning atypically in the first year of life, it could impact the development of later social behavior, which perhaps explains why we found that the faster the amygdala grew in the first year of life, the more social difficulties the children with autism had when they were diagnosed. What could this possibly mean for different features of idiopathic autism compared to those related to Fragile X? Again, when I say idiopathic autism, I'm saying those with no known genetic strike, whereas Fragile X causes autism, those without a major rare genetic mutation probably have something called idiopathic autism. Previous research has shown that in autism, there are too many neurons in the amygdala. These neurons have branches that connect with other neurons called dendrites that are supposed to be refined and trimmed back or pruned depending on typical experience or activity. If the amygdala is overactive, perhaps because of altered processing of the incoming sensory information, these dendrites may grow in excess because there are too many neurons and too many branches of these neurons in the amygdala. In fact, colleagues at UC Davis in Cindy Schumann's lab has shown just that, too many neurons and too many dendrites in the amygdala in autism. And the current study is the first to show that this enlargement of the amygdala is detectable in the first year of life using MRI. What would you say are the main takeaways? The current study is one of several recent findings from our research group that there are brain differences that are detectable by MRI in the first year of life in infants who will later be diagnosed with autism. During a pre-symptomatic period in autism, prior to the age when the diagnostic behavioral symptoms like social difficulties are fully evident and then lead to the later diagnosis of autism. I think the takeaway is that this research suggests that an optimal time to begin supports for children who are at the highest likelihood of developing autism may be during the first year of life to improve early precursors to social development, such as improving sensory processing in babies even before social difficulties arise. It sounds like this is even more evidence that the brains of infants who go on to develop autism show differences before behavioral features are seen. To me, it seems like this allows scientists to better determine how the brain is different, and it opens up even more possibilities to targeted early interventions. Now, while there are many similarities between idiopathic autism which in this group is genetic because of family history, there's just no major gene popping out, compared to those with a syndrome like Fragile X, there are many differences, and those differences can be targeted for better supports. If we know what's happening in the brain, scientists can better understand how to provide those, interve how to provide those interventions and supports tailored to each person. Thank you, Dr. Shen, for your time to explain this project and what it means. And thanks to the other authors, there were over a dozen of them, as well as the families that made this possible. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.
them, they're running the show, and my brain forgets.